I was just, um, just preparing my heart, even this week, talking to the elders, just trying to hear the Lord for, <laughs> for what He wants to say this morning. And uh, I must admit, I don't come with a perceived perception. This is where I want to go. It's really, I, I constantly, and I know we as an eldership do, is like, God, where are you? Where are you in this, this moment? What do you want to do? And it's daunting sometimes because you, you quick, we can be quick to have an idea. We can be quick to say, this is what it is in the flesh. And, and yeah, so I just felt just to pick up, even from last week, because I feel God is doing something. Um, and so I do see the flows. I do see that where God is moving. And you do pick up pieces. The Bible says we know in part. And so there is that sense of knowing in part. But um, so I want to pick, pick up from Andrew just last week, because he, he shared on the Holy Spirit. And, um, yeah, I just thought the theme of my message will be the church untamed. And that's a spin-off on his message, which was that the church has become tamed. And uh, so I don't want us to be tamed and put God in a box that uh, he doesn't belong. <laughs> he, you know, he's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. But I feel just in processing that, um, just what happened last week, just a, a manifestation, a little manifestation of the Holy Spirit moving. And um, for those of you who weren't there, we had a bit of a move of the Spirit, and people were shouting, people were screaming, and that's it. But I'm not here to apologize for that, because, you know, that's when the Holy Spirit moves, those things can happen. Okay, so I'm not here to apologize, but I do feel... As God works in our hearts, certain things that happen, you've got to kind of massage that thing into us. And What is the truth of what is happening, really? And it's good to know those things. And it is good to go back to Scripture and say, well, you know, Andrew, I feel, did kind of qualify a lot of what he said in Scripture. So it wasn't like it happened without us preparing ourselves within Scripture for that. But, um, but I feel just to, kind of, yeah, just to kind of massage a little bit of that truth into us, this, this morning, just as we prepare for what God is doing through the Holy Spirit. Church, we're we in a time now where more than ever we need the Holy Spirit. You, you would know, we, we're living in a time where flip, I can't do this in who I am. I can't do it in my own strength. I, I need God's power to come. I need it, His power to manifest. And you, you know that we can't play church. The world is getting darker, and God is calling the church to be brighter for Him, a church that's passionately serving Him with all their hearts, minds, soul, and strength. And, you know, I don't, I don't want us to ever look back and see someone who's, let's say, has a manifestation and be like uh, David's wife. You know her? Michal? Michal, I think it was her name. Um, we can quickly turn there, because I really want to look at that, just a little piece, because I think sometimes... When there is a manifestation, if it's not you experiencing it, you can look at it from the outside. And you can say, well, I don't know. Is that the Spirit? Is it another Spirit? Because, I mean, the Bible does say test the spirits. And, uh, and so when there's a manifestation, we do tend to kind of, well, because you're not experiencing it. You know what I'm saying? And Michal was one of those ladies when she saw her husband David dance. So you can put that up for me. Thanks. It says, now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David... It is how you spell it, Michal, huh? Saul's daughter looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And I just think, you know, something that, that can quickly creep in, but, but then David confronts her, 
in her rebuking him for that. And uh, in verse 21, I just want to quickly go there. It says, and David's saying to her, look, I'm not going to apologize. I will play music before the Lord. And verse 22, I'll give you that one. Okay, verse 22, it says, and I will be even more, this is David telling her, I will be even more undignified than this and will be humbled in my own sight. So David's admitting that I don't know what a whirl looks like in the Lord. You know, that's what it says. He was dancing and whirling. It must have looked weird. It must have looked a bit funny. It's not something you do, you know. And David's saying, look, I know it's undignified. I looked undignified. But he says, even in my own sight, even when I looked at myself, I know I was undignified. And, you know, just, I don't want to put anybody in a spot, but, you know, just when I see someone who's manifest, I, I can take, can I use your example, Marita? Just, just her, just hearing her in the spirit. I know Marita. I know her responses. She's not a lady that is up front. Am I right? You're not a lady that likes the limelight. You're not a lady that... Um, you would generally shy away from a microphone. I know, because I've, I've spoken to you, you know. But, but I realize when the Holy Spirit comes on someone, it's like God's doing something in me. And he's humbling me. And he's, and he's just saying, I, I don't want you to have a fear of man. And he puts something in us. And there's something of an outburst towards the Holy Spirit. Now, us outside can look at them. We can be like Michal. You know, what's Marita? You know, is she not? Is this a spirit? Or, you know, all these things. But I want us to be real because I think more of this should be happening. Not because we, we chase after emotions or we chase after things, but I think we should be chasing after the Spirit. Am I right? The Holy Spirit is the one we want. And, um, and so as we look at that, and Andrew shared on this, and he kind of used the illustration in Acts where he says, you know, when the Holy Spirit came and fell upon them, there was a manifestation, there was a roaring, and, and people were in the upper room when this happened. And it looked like they were drunk. Remember Andrew shared that? And just saying that, you know, and Peter begins to explain what is happening. And he quotes Joel in, in the prophecy when he, when, when he says, my, my spirit will be poured out on all flesh. And Peter begins to explain this to the guys outside looking from an outside perspective. Why are these guys drunk? You know, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning, you know. And Peter's saying they're not drunk. This is the Holy Spirit. And this is what was prophes prophesied. So that's where Andrew got the message What this is that, you know, this that was prophesied in Joel is that now that you're seeing manifest. Okay, so it's good that we understand this, but the manifestation also carries fruit. So when it's the Holy Spirit, there will be evidence of fruit. Okay, so we often say, well, let's, let's weigh up. Is this the Spirit? Is it not? Sometimes I want to say you can't always weigh up in the moment if it's the Spirit. But you can weigh up over time if the manifestation of what is happening in that person's life is fruitful. And I want to say even us as an eldership, you guys know when we share things, when we even preach, you have a right to look into our lives, to look into our families, to look into our marriages, and, and be in our homes and get to know us, because that's how you know the fruit. You know, we're not isolated from this. And it's important that we understand that. But as a church, you know, we were just sharing, that this is what it means to be authentic. We don't want to play church, you know. Uh, we don't want to just have a head knowledge. You know, our, ortho, our orthodoxy influences our orthopraxy. What we 
think in Scripture needs to be exercised in how we behave, what we do. It gets lived out, okay? And it's important that we understand this because, you know, I know a lot of people here, you, know, you might say, well, Benny, you know, I'm more of the person of the Word. And I know there is that. I, I know people that have that inclination. And then you'll have others that we're just more of the Spirit, as if the one is in contrary to the other. But they're not. That's why Paul said in 1 Timothy 4.15, he says, he says this to Timothy. He says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Keep them together. Because the moment there's a separation, the moment there's a divorce, can I say there's hypocrisy in you. And so he says, keep them together. And you know what? I've, been in, I've seen churches around, and I'm not criticizing other churches. Hear my heart. But I, I don't believe when it comes to the manifestation of the Spirit of God, I feel we, we kind of have a doctrine of the Holy Spirit, but the life of the Holy Spirit, the living out of that manifestation are two separate things far apart from one another. And Paul's saying, keep your life, your doctrine closely. So if we believe and have a doctrine, because I don't believe we battle with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we've got good, solid teachers here, people that have, you know, got, just know the Word of God, solid. But I don't believe that's the problem, that we don't have an understanding through Scripture how the Holy Spirit manifests or how this, we've got a problem with living out what we know here scripturally, but living it out through the church. Those things are totally divorced. And I feel God is, is calling us to a season of bringing the two together, our life and our doctrine, our, life of the, our doctrine of the Holy Spirit, but the life of the Holy Spirit to move in us. That's what we want, isn't it? So watch your life and doctrine of the Holy Spirit closely. Because let's face it, things can, be very, things can become customary very quickly. Things can become customary very quickly. And I, I want to say, let's become more customary in inviting the Holy Spirit. Now, I know it sounds like a contradiction when I say that, customary. When you think of the word customary, you probably think, you know, because the I mean, definition of that in itself is, it's observed behavior. When you talk about customary, when things become customary, it's things you see, things you believe, and it becomes a behavior, a practice that you do as a group of people. Huh? That's, that's what customary is. Am I right? That's the word customary. It's, 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 a, it's a learned behavior, and we do because customs dictate that. I mean, even we can live in a church like this and still become customary. We become accustomed first, let's worship first, first doing tithes, admin, you know, all those things. That in itself can be customary, okay? Now, I'm not against customary. What I'm saying is, in a sense, it sounds like a contradiction, but I, I'm feeling like the Holy Spirit needs to be customary because I think sometimes when the programs take center stage, when the, the traditions, the formats, the, the system takes center stage, then that's when customary sets in. But when the Holy Spirit takes center stage, those things fly out the window. Why? Because He's leading the meeting, not those things. Many churches will default to programs. Why? Because it's comfortable. It's easy. It's, it's, it's easy to be a well-oiled machine that just gels with customary things, with, as the Bible talks about, traditions of men. Really, that's what it is. But I feel God is wanting to do something just 
you know, unconventional. That's what the Holy Spirit, He is unconventional. Chad kind of just lured to it even this morning, talking about the, the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, let me quickly go there. John 3, 8. That scripture that you had, Chad. It says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but it cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Just keep it there for Sunday. But I feel almost like, you see, you see how it says, the Spirit blows where it wills, okay? You don't know where it's coming from, and you don't know where it's going to. Because if you knew the A to the B point, you can work around that. Huh? You, can, you, can be, you can build a system towards that. You can figure it out. But you see, the Holy Spirit doesn't work like that. He doesn't want to be put in a box from A to B. Why? Because He's God. And Jesus brings that illustration of the wind. Like Chad says, when it's here, I just want to get my cut surf and start catch it while it's here. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't always linger. He, he'll, he'll, he'll invite us in and he'll say, here, I'm here. But it's at us, up to us in the moment to say, is this the Spirit? Let's respond. And let's do it now. Let's not wait tomorrow to next day. Let's respond. The Spirit is moving. And so that's our job. And I want to say it's not our job as an eldership. It's our job as a, as, a, as a people, as a priesthood of believers. And so the same, the same way His Spirit moves, so does the kingdom of God work. Because Luke 17, Jesus said this, The kingdom of God, of God does not come with observation. So I want you to think about that. The kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. Your doctrine in itself is an observation. You can take it and live it out, but it still can be an observation. Nor will they say, here it is, or see, there it is, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. So say the kingdom of God is in me. Okay, it's within you. Not just, it's in you. And I want to say, if we become accustomed to one thing, it's the Holy Spirit's and when I say the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about His presence, His power, His practices. If we can become accustomed to that, every other customary things will become second to that. And I'm not saying those things we need to pay tithes, we need to do admin. We, without admin, you know, things don't happen. But we're not dependent on admin. We're not dependent purely on that. We understand structure. We're not against it. And uh, like and, and just think of the day of Pentecost. I don't think these guys were, had a, a specific thing in mind. Okay, Jesus told us to wait in Jerusalem, so I'm expecting any moment now there's going to be tongues of fire. And they didn't have a clue what was going to happen. They didn't have a perceived idea how the Spirit would move. It just came, and they were filled with the Spirit. And there were tongues, and it looked like chaos in the, in the world sense, but the Holy Spirit was moving. And... Uh, yeah, so I was just reminded in a scripture where Jesus requotes Isaiah, and he's talking about the hypocrisy of worship, the hypocrisy that the leaders had towards him. And he says, this people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and in vain, and in vain they worship me. Teachings as doctrines, the commands of men, for laying aside the commands of God, you hold the traditions of men. You know, I think... It can quickly come into us that we can pay lip service in our worship. I know I, I can do that very quickly. Am I right? Am I the only one? 
At times you're standing there, you're just not pushing into the Lord. You just, ah, oh, you know, it's, it's a long day. I'm tired. I can pay lip service. But I, do I push in and say, God, I need your life right now. I'm dependent on you. I want you to break open into my home. I want you to break open into my marriage. But Jesus, I'm looking at you this morning. I want you to break open. And it's not always what you can do for me, but I want you because I need your life. I need it every day. I need you to set me free from certain bondages. But I need you, Jesus, and to have that kind of dependency, not the traditions of men. And so I want to ask this question. Because when I talk about customary, like I said, we can easily become customary here. When you first came to Josh Jen, and of those who have been here, let's say, within two years, when you first came, did you think we were loud? Anybody here? Loud, loud, a loud bunch of people. Did you think, did you think, uh, yeah, that, that these guys worship quite differently? You know, I mean, everybody runs to the front. I mean, huh? that, that, I don't know how many, I haven't been to other churches in Georgia, but I don't think it's that normal. But, can I ask you this question? So you've been here, let's say, a year, two years. Is it abnormal to you now? Why? It's become customary. You've accepted it. It's normal. It's, it's like your, your, your surprise has kind of faded. You know? it's, not, it's not there anymore because you become customary to that. Now, we can do that here, yes, but I think even then, even in this, we can be customary and thinking, well, this is how the Spirit moves. We all got to come to the front, you know? But no, I'm saying let's be more dependent on the Spirit, not just the acts of what we do for, this, for, the, for God, for the Holy Spirit to work. Um, and, and so I just want to just kind of focus on that because I really feel, you know, as people can be more conservative in their style of worship, I, I want to say it's not about that. It's about how open. God moves in different people in different ways in different times. And some people, yes, there's a sensitivity that God breaks open slowly and he moves slowly. But Because like Chad even mentioned, you know, sometimes God doesn't come with a hammer and just break something. He slowly massages his truth and we begin to open because God's sensitive. The Holy Spirit, can I say, as much as he can come in power like we see in Acts 2, he's also sensitive. And he can witness with the deep recesses of our heart, things that we hold fragile and dear, and it's like he comes and he witnesses with us. Don't you want to let that go? Don't you want to put that fear down? Don't you want to trust me? And there's a moment in the Holy Spirit that he comes and he begins to, to open us up to that. And so we've got to be dependent on that. You know, I know a lot of people, especially when it comes to churches, we like to say to each their own. Hey, especially when it comes to worship. You know, we're allowed church. When you came and maybe... I, I remember going to Josh Jane, I think Lauren and I were in Cape Town, and I thought, yo, these guys are really out the box, you know, when it comes to work. And I actually, I must admit, I felt uncomfortable. I did, I promise you, I felt uncomfortable. And, and you know, but over time, I've got used to extravagant worship. This is what extravagant looks like, you know, when you worship the Lord. But, but even here, I think we, we can look at other churches, and I'm not judging other churches, but we can look at them and say, well, to each their own. You know, different strokes for different folks. But that's the wrong mindset of church. That's the wrong mindset of worship, actually. Because worship is not to each their own. To worship is not different strokes for different folks. In fact, I want to prove it to you. Even in Scripture, John 4, 
Jesus confronts the Samaritan woman. And she says this to him. She says, you know, Jesus, she knew he's a prophet. And, uh, and because she came to this realization that he's a prophet, she says, I perceive you're a prophet. Now, now that you've revealed something in my life, I want to ask you something. And it's about worship. Our fathers, they worship here, which is Mount Gerizim. And that was kind of a limited understanding of worship. These guys had the Pentateuch, which was the first five books of the Old Testament. But they had a lot of their pagan worship mixed with this, the Samaritans. And uh, she says to Jesus, well, you guys, we worship here on this mountain. You Jews, you worship in Jerusalem. So which one, you know? And Jesus says, you know what? Neither in Jerusalem nor here is going to be about worship. Worship is going to be about spirit and truth. Worship is going to be truth. Jesus doesn't do away with truth. It's not going to be a style what fits you. He doesn't say, well, you know, you Samaritans, different strokes. Us Jews, different strokes. We just go away as long as we're worshiping the Lord. Now he says, true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. You hear that? He brings the two together. He says, spirit and truth. You're not just going to be ignorantly worship me. You're going to worship me, but you're going to worship me in spirit. And as you worship me in spirit, I'm going to reveal the truths of who I am to you. You're going to know me, and it's more than just Scripture. You're going to know me. You know that Scripture says that there will come a day where where no one will say no God or need to be taught God because you will know that because he'll be in you. Now, that doesn't mean you don't teach. Not having teachers up here teaching. There is that importance. But he's saying that you might know me intimately. And there will come a day when the Holy Spirit comes that you will know him intimately. And that's what this is talking about. Jesus is saying, no, it's not different strokes for different folks. God is the God. It's, this is his house. It doesn't belong to Josh Jane. It doesn't belong to Andrew. It doesn't belong to Chad. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. In Mark 13, 35, Jesus says, he's the master of this house. And he is coming back for it, church. How does our worship look? Is it inviting and so just in case you might say, uh, look, Benny, I, I, I'm, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not a loud person. Same here. I'm not a person that, uh, you know, I just, I'm quiet. I, I just speak softly to the Lord. That's how I witness. I want to say that can be a customary thing. I want to ask you this. How many love rugby? Ah, Monet, put up your hand. I know. Where's Hendrick? Uh, you, I didn't see your name. Uh, your hand up, Hendrick. But would you agree with me when you go to a live rugby game? Don't worry, I won't, I won't just look at you, Henry. But if you go to a live rugby game, when people go, yeah, and they shout for their team and they score a try, or when people are a bit, you know, had one or too many, <laughs> how do they shout? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, my team <laughs> depends. But but it becomes customary when you go to a live rugby game. It's customary that people shout. It's customary that you roar as a crowd. It's customary that you drink beer and get sloshed. It is. I've seen it. I've been to rugby matches. But it's kind of okay because it's customary. We accept it. It's what happens. But why don't we feel customary here about shouting for the Lord? Why aren't we customary when the God of our salvation... We carry that in us. Does it consume us? That's what I mean by customary towards the Holy Spirit. Does He consume you when, you when you're there and just receiving Him? Or do you try and contain it and say, well, this, 
No one else is doing it. I'm going to, can I say, you can be the one that breaks open, like Marita. You can be the one that breaks open to what's normally accepted in this church. And she changes the customs here. Not because of her, but because the Holy Spirit's working in her. Her obedience. I love the scripture, you know, and it starts with us. It starts within us. And even Jesus was filled with the Spirit. What do you think happened when he, when he saw them in the temple and he started turning tables and everything? And it said, what happened? It's like this, the zeal of the Lord. It says the zeal of the Lord consumed him. Jesus was just overwhelmed by the zeal. It ate him up. And you can read that in John 17. It says, the zeal of the Lord consumed him. It ate him up. It overwhelmed him. And when last did you have, as 1 Peter 1, 1.8 says, unspeakable joy? Some of your versions will say Un- unexpressible joy. When last have you had that? Are you spending time in the presence of the Lord where His joy just overwhelms us? Not often, huh? Sometimes we, we sit. I love the fact that Chad was saying, you know, he, he leans quickly into the presence of God. And I say, I don't. I battle. I, I, I have to take, I take Scripture, but... I've got to push in harder probably than Chad has to, to enter the presence. Chad has to push in harder maybe to get the word. Yeah. But, but there is that. But the, they're both so important. And so in case you might say, well, Benny, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not allowed. Let me say, it's the Spirit working in you. That expressible joy is the Spirit working in you. you. You don't have to. It might not be your personality. But you have a new nature, a new character in Christ Jesus. And that's how we've got to receive him. You know, and you can say what you want. I'll guarantee you, most of you in this room, I don't know if you've ever hit a nail on your finger, on your, ham, on your thumb. I've done it lots of times. And you know what happens? There's unexpressible words un- <laughs> that come out naturally. And I can, I can say this, you can be, even before you, you were saved, there were some powerful words that came out of your mouth. Am I right? Hey? That's when you save. But before you save, the power of the name of Jesus is amazing. But, but why? Because there's just something unexpressible that you're feeling right now emotionally. And it's pain. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. He comes in you and he's just express it. It's okay. Because that expression is a manifestation of worship towards me. Do it. Do it. Don't, don't hold back. We won't, you know, I, I want to say as a, as a, as a church, we, we're pretty solid in knowing what's spirit and what's deceiving spirits. We weigh it up. Don't be afraid when the Holy Spirit moves in you. He can do weird things in weird ways, but he does it because he's the spirit that blows where he wills. Sorry, I'm coming to a closure. I, I just need to, but I feel we need to do this. Um, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 19, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. You know, when I first moved to George, I, I had a dream. We were in... Um, the Fuertracker Hall, we were kind of starting out, we had maybe four or five families together, it was very small, and I, I felt just in that, I had a dream, and, and I saw the snake on a stage, and I thought it was quite weird, because everybody was like, and it wasn't a snake as in, 
you know, a snake that you have here with the music cables. It was a, a surreal snake. Anyway, it was on the stage, and we were walking over the snake, and, you know, there was, like, things happening in the church, and, but, but everybody was, like, stepping over the snake. And I woke up and thinking, what on earth did this dream mean? And I remember asking the Lord, seeking, and I felt God say, that snake represented complacency. And, and as I was preparing my heart just even for that, you know, I think the problem with us, and we can be very good theologians and we can know the Word of God, and, and this is the thing we've got to understand about complacency. Um, we, you know, we can quickly understand deceiving spirits. We can quickly understand a lie if you know the Scripture. But we don't always know how to guard against complacency. Scripture doesn't guard against complacency. We, you can know Scripture, but it doesn't guard in itself. What, how do you guard against complacency? Can I say what, the, what it is? It's the exercising of Scripture that guards against complacency. You know, when the Word became flesh, it was one thing, but it dwelt among us. It became manifest. It became real. Every day we live out Scripture. That's why Paul says, my life is a living letter read by all. Scripture isn't just here for Paul. It was lived out. It became manifest. The Spirit worked in him. And it's the same with us. We have to guard against complacency. And I really felt that, that, that picture that I had with the snake. It's almost like it's overlooked. It, we, it, because it's there and it's always there, everybody kind of, I mean, you don't see complacency. You can see a deceiving spirit quickly. You can, you can weigh it up with Scripture, but you don't see complacency very easily. But Jesus warned the church, and I want to end with this, just with this scripture that we understand it, because Jesus warned the church in Laodicea in Revelations 3, verses 14 to 21. And he says this, And to the angel of the church of Laodicea writes these things, say amen, and faithful and true witnesses, witness the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. He starts there, because this is a complacent church. He starts there, he says, I know your works. Not I know your hearts, <laughs> I know your intentions, I know you know Scripture. I mean, we can hide behind those things. He says, but I know your works that you can't hide behind. That you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, or cold nor hot. I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you've ever had kids. But um, what God is saying, you know, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. It's like, if you, I remember when my kids were young, there were certain textures in their mouth that they just didn't like. Have you ever had that? You remember feeding them with the, the train coming and, and, and uh, you know, they'd have this bite of something and it's, no, no, you eat it, you eat it, you know, eat it, and then they spit it out. Have you had that? Or they vomit it out. Why? Because there's a texture, it just doesn't. It's just something in you. It's our brain. I don't know how it works and why it does that, but I'm not a doctor. <laughs> but it does happen, and it's real to them. Well, God's saying that about a lukewarm church. It's like, God, we're coming. You know, we're cold and hot, but you know, we're coming. And he's like, I don't want it in my mouth. It's quite, quite a picture. Hey, I didn't paint this picture. <laughs> John did when he wrote this. And it was through the Holy Spirit. He says, that's how God perceives lukewarmness. I don't want God to say, Josh, Jim, yeah, no, this is a church I love, they carry the, they carry the fire of God, they haven't quenched me, 
They haven't held me back. And then he goes on, because you say I'm rich, you become wealthy, you have need nothing. You know, we can easily get into that place where we need nothing from the Lord. God, we've got it. We've got it sorted. We as a church, we're doing well. We've got it. It says you become rich in your own eyes, actually. And then he says, and do, not, do you not know, you wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire that you may be that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, and the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve. Now, that's an ointment that they had to, to heal the eyes that you may see. And I'm really feeling that's what God's wanting to do this morning. He's wanting to anoint our eyes. There's some of you sitting here, and you're looking externally and trying to figure out here and out, outwardly, and God's saying, I'm no, I want to anoint your eyes this morning. I want you to see, because, you know, Jesus even warned the Pharisees. They're forever seeing, but they never perceive. They're, never, they're forever learning, but they never come to the knowledge of the truth. You can know your scripture, guys. I do. I love my scripture. But I can be ever learning but never come to the knowledge of certain things that God wants to show me because it's spirit. And it can only be received and perceived in the spirit. And that's why, yeah, and it goes and it says this. It says, therefore, be zealous. Be zealous. Be zealous. What does it mean? It means be passionate for God. Be zealous. Don't be complacent. Be zealous and repent. Behold, this is the key. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, I will come in him and dine with him and he with me. Who wants Jesus to come in? Who wants to dine with him? I do. Otherwise, we're just a club meeting together. If, it's, if Jesus is in this place, that's all we are. We're wasting our time, but we want to dine with him. And he says, this is the thing, as Chad said, he's gentle. He stands at the door and he knocks. He's not, he's not barging and saying, this is my house. Why aren't you doing what I've called you? He stands at the door. He says, yes, it's my house. But are you going to invite me? I'm knocking. I'm knocking. Are you listening? And so I want to pray, even this morning, just to pray that God would anoint our eyes. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that enables us to perceive, to see what God is doing and to work with Him. You guys want that? Let's stand before Him. Let's stand and we... Just before Benny prays as well, I just, I almost want to confirm this. So about a week and a half ago, one of the ladies in the church came to me with exactly the same dream. And as we were chatting it through, like we were just figuring it out, it's like, okay, and she actually had the dream, I think, twice. One a while ago and one recently. And then I was sharing with Benny and I said, oh, this is the word, just submit it, we're pondering it over. And he actually, actually forgot that you told me about your dream. And as he's preaching this morning, I feel that it's a bit of a, a wake-up call. And I want to say, if we don't respond to this, we're going to get left behind. If we don't respond to Jesus... We're going to get left behind. 
So even that, Mornay just hearing as well, on Thursday during our membership course, just again feeling confirmation of what the Lord's saying. So it's coming more than one angle, hey? Are we going to just carry on as normal, or are we going to shake the dust off? Are we going to, what are we going to, how do we respond, and what does that mean? I'm not asking for us now suddenly to scream and shout and dance up and down, but our hearts need to really take this seriously. We do as a people. We need to respond to Jesus. Otherwise, the move of the Spirit will carry on because He's going where He wants to go, and we will be left behind. And I noticed His desire that not one of us, not one of us will be left behind. Our hearts postured towards the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our Jesus, our lover of our soul. Church, shake off the complacency, shake off the dust that has gathered, shake it off, shake it off, don't let it gather, don't let it clog you down, don't get stuck in the miry clay, don't become that person who's critical and judgmental of those around you, if there are, it's because you've allowed a complacency and a compromise to creep in, I even, as Benny preached, I I just quickly googled, what does that mean, that word, and it actually says, a feeling of calm satisfaction with your own abilities or your own situation, and it prevents you from trying harder. Now, I'm not saying this is a works thing. It's not you trying harder, but it's actually, I believe, in a sense, if we we look at it, you can be just so satisfied with where you're at and my situation that you actually won't push in and you won't ask Jesus for more. And this morning, the call is, come on, come on. Don't be, are you building with us? Many of us here are just, just attendees, but are you building with us the kingdom? Are you building, are you discipling one another? Or are you just a fly on the wall or someone who rocks up on a Sunday and goes home again? Or are you building with us the kingdom of God? And this is actually something I've been feeling a stirring this week even, is God is calling us to be a people that build, not just attend. Are you a people that build? And there's some of you guys around here that are just attendees. God is calling you to be builders with us for His kingdom. I think, just put that scripture up again, Sunday, that last one in Revelation. Next, the, the, the last part that, um, nah, more. Yeah, I re- even through the prayer meeting this morning, that word, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. This is, in a sense, it's, it's, it's a loving rebuke from the Father. For us to remain zealous. How do we remain zealous? Well, it needs to start with repentance. And so maybe even we standing here, we need to repent and say, Lord, yes, I have allowed the mud to get thick around my ankles. I can't move anymore. I'm stuck in a rut. And if that's you right now, would you close your eyes with me and can we pray together? Benny, you lead us, buddy. No, you go for it, Benny.